Hello and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name's Sean Coleman. I hope wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you're having a terrific Thursday afternoon. The Memphis Grizzlies are back in action tonight at the FedEx Forum as they welcome the Los Angeles Clippers. Before we get into the game against the Clippers, what really stands out when it comes to the Grizzlies front court? Some front court conversations about roles for players moving forward this season, but also a fun conversation that could go that it could impact the Grizzlies both this year and beyond. That and much more on this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Let's get it going. You are Locked On Grizzlies. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, my name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you once again. But before we get into the show today, I want to take a moment and send sincerest condolences thoughts and prayers to the friends, family, and fans of Young Dolph, uh, rapper Young Dolph. Unfortunately, tragedy struck the Memphis community yesterday. Young Dolph passing away, you know, in the town, in, in, in his hometown that, that he loved dearly. He was a big supporter of the city of Memphis, and not just that, a big supporter of both the Memphis Tigers and the Memphis Grizzlies. It was Young Dolph who narrated the Grizzlies playoff video before their playoff series against the Utah Jazz. So it just a very unfortunate and, and horrific uh, turn of events that has certainly impacted the Memphis community. So sincere thoughts, prayers, and condolences to anyone and everyone that was impacted by Young Dolph. Just unfortunate to see what occurred yesterday. Um, but, you know, again, my name is Sean Coleman. Uh, you can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz. You can find the podcast wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You know, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts, that's where Locked on Grizzlies will be. Hit that subscribe button here on YouTube as well. Let's us know you enjoy the show. Let's others know, be able to find the show. It makes the experience best for everyone involved. Also, make sure you listen, review, subscribe where you can find podcasts. And after you listen to Locked on Grizzlies, check out the Locked on NBA podcast as well. All the latest news around the league, plus all the results from the games, just the latest overall takes to really dive into when it comes to the NBA. And finally, the title sponsor for our show today is McDonald's. McDonald's, a great source of food since 1965, but also a great source of of connecting with your community. Every community has a McDonald's more than likely, and it's likely been there throughout your entire walk of life. So make sure you enjoy great food, but connecting with those you care for the next time that you enjoy McDonald's. So of course, the Los Angeles Clippers are in town tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. It's going to be a tough challenge for the Grizzlies. We'll get into that game preview in just a moment, but I do want to have some front court conversations specifically around many of the players that have found their roles kind of in flux when it comes to the overall success of the Grizzlies over the past several days, week, whatever you want to call it. We're going to get into the roles, how they look for the rest of the year. When it comes to Kyle Anderson, have a discussion about him in the second segment of the show that goes beyond this year. But the person I want to talk start with is Steven Adams, because besides Jaron Jackson Jr., and these conversations are not going to be around Jaron Jackson Jr., we know what Jaron Jackson Jr. is in terms of his importance to the Grizzlies. He is the main point. He's the main beacon of hope and success in our front court. The key is figuring out how to best support him moving forward. And the Grizzlies feel that to start out games, that's Steven Adams. And Steven Adams, it makes sense for him to be in that starting lineup 
as the five to really try to get Jaron going in games. I think one of the biggest reasons why Steven Adams starts at the five for the Grizzlies is because he is kind of a, a source of comfort, I guess you could say, for Taylor Jenkins as well as the other players around. I feel that by setting screens for, for John Morant and others, and also by Steven Adams taking care of the paintwork while Jaron Jackson Jr. is out and about trying to get his shot going or is out and about trying to get his defense going, the certainty that you have with Steven Adams as a rebounder, as a screen setter, as being someone who can, you know, at the very least be a presence in the paint, you at least have that in place to allow for Jaw and Jaron to get their grooves going when it comes to their offensive games, creating havoc on defense and things like that. I think in terms of, you know, in the intangibles of things, that is a role that Steven Adams plays. But that certainly theoretically is a very good thing. But when it comes to the overall impact of Steven Adams being on the court, it's not there right now. That's that's just a simple truth. Yes, when you look at the on-off numbers for Steven Adams, the Grizzlies offense is better when he's on the court versus when he is off. But a big reason why that is is because it is it's okay to have him on the court with the starters because of the fact that they are playing so well. It's fine to play Steven Adams, at least for certain stretches, with your best players because you're not having to rely on him as much on offense when you've got your best scores in the game. But the key is the defense. The Grizzlies right now, when Steven Adams is on the court versus when he is off, when Steven Adams is on the court, the Grizzlies are three and a half points worse than their opponents per 100 possessions than when Steven Adams is off the court. While Steven Adams, while the Grizzlies are better when Steven Adams is on the court when it comes to their offense, they are significantly better at defense when he's off the court. In other words, the defensive impact that you were hoping you would get with Steven Adams when you brought him into the fold in the trade with Jonas Valanciunas, it's simply not been there. And the fact that his presence on the court is making the defense worse than when he's off, that carries more impact than any type of offensive value Stephen Adams offers. Uh, it's rebounding, his passing, all that different stuff. It certainly is a value. But unfortunately, right now, the liability that the defense has when him on the court on defense is making a bigger impact than the asset that he's providing on offense. And so what that means is, is that simply put, the Grizzlies need to prioritize what makes them better. And Stephen Adams not being on the court, unfortunately, right now, is what makes them better. And that may be the case moving forward. But that doesn't necessarily mean you turn Stephen Adams into a gorgy dang type situation from last year or an Al Horford situation that you saw in OKC. Stephen Adams still has value. I personally think you still start Stephen Adams. You put Stephen Adams in the game to take care of the dirty work, the rebounds, the paint presence, the banging, the screen setting. Put him in the game to do that because those type of things, at the very least, provide Jaw and the others in the starting lineup. It provides them with the ability to focus more on getting their games going, especially to find offensive balance and defensive impact. I think that that certainly has value. So if you still want to start Stephen Adams, go ahead. But the key is, is if you see that Stephen Adams' presence on the, presence on the court is not allowing for that to happen, if his defensive shortcomings are what is impacting the game more than the offense finding his groove because he what can contribute pulling. That's what it comes down to. You can start Steven Adams all day long. The key is, is to make quick adjustments with by subbing in Brandon Clark or subbing in Kyle Anderson to go with Jaron on the court. That's the key to be able to make sure that you don't get too big of a deficit 
in the first quarter because you've left Steven Adams in for so long. Again, I'm not saying that the defensive struggles are all on Steven Adams. I'm just saying that as a collective unit, the Grizzlies have a better ability of shoring up their defense in some way, shape, or form with Steven Adams off the court than with him on it. So at the end of the day, Steven Adams, if you want him to remain your starter, by all means, go ahead. I don't think that is that critical of a decision. But if he's going to start the game, and you clearly see within a few minutes that his that he's not adding value, that you're going to need to put somebody else, more of a two-way type impact player in there than Steven Adams, make that quick. Have a short hook for, for him in some games. In games where you're going against teams that are going to be slower pace and that are going to be utilizing the big more often than not, certainly use Steven Adams. That probably is a smart thing to do, putting the body of Steven Adams on another big body. But when you're playing teams who are going to have more offensive activity on the perimeter, who run more, who are going to be better shooting teams, Steven Adams probably doesn't make a lot of sense to be on the court for many minutes beyond maybe 15 or 20 a game. This isn't necessarily a negative towards Steven Adams. It's just a simple truth of what right now is successful for the Grizzlies and what's not. And right now, the Grizzlies are simply, their defense is the area of their game that is suffering the most. And they've got to figure out a way to get it going on the right track. And with Steven Adams off the court, rather than him on, that seems to be the solution. But if Steven Adams is going to be off the court, that means that you probably need to either put Brandon Clark or Kyle Anderson in as his substitute. Who makes the most sense to potentially get the upper hand in that decision? And why, since it's Kyle Anderson, in my opinion, why, in my opinion, that extends beyond just now, but also into the future as well. I'll discuss that in just a moment. Before we do, you know, you want to talk about betting and wagering on sports. And there's a lot of different area, there's a lot of different avenues you could take to do exactly that. But one of the best areas to me is BetOnline. .ag. They just have updated their champion, their uh, championship odds and division odds over at BetOnline.ag. So it's not only the fact that they consistently update their odds based off what's going on in the season, but they also are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever. And you can head to the new updated website or, or on your mobile device and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite favorite casino games, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all the things that you love. BetOnline, where the game starts. We certainly want to thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But why not check out the favorite Locked On NHL show of your favorite team? I know for the Nashville Predators, that certainly is me. They have new hosts on the show who I love to listen to when I get the chance to want to update myself on the Predators, but for whatever NHL team that you enjoy watching, make sure you check out the Locked On NHL Network show of your choice to get the latest on your favorite hockey team as they get further into their season. So we're talking about front court conversations, and when it comes to these conversations, Stephen Adams obviously is someone that right now, if he's on the court for an extended period of time, it's hurting the Grizzlies more than it's helping them. And I feel that because of that, if you're fine starting him, that's fine. But if you see that he just is not being a benefit that you hope he will be, you need to make moves. And those moves are putting Brandon Clark or Kyle Anderson in the game to support Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, the conversation for me that comes down to this is simply straightforward. I know, and many others have talked about it, and they've been they've been correct in talking about it, the numbers with Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. are outstanding when they play together. 
or even more outstanding when you have Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. at the five as Keith Parrish of Fast Break Break, or Fast Break Breakfast has mentioned a time or two. But with the numbers of Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. are certainly very good. A couple of things also stand out for me that I feel needs to make them you know, realistic. Those numbers that you see with Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark, in my opinion, a lot of times come against opposing lineups that do not have the opponent's best players in the game. And I understand that that may not be that big of a deal. At the end of the day, you're trying to create as, as, as many advantageous moments as possible in the game. So it's not that I'm holding this against Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. The fact that they can be so good as a combination is something the Grizzlies should explore more. But the other thing that stands out beyond the fact that I feel a lot of their successes against lineups that may not consist of the opponent's best players, it's also the fact that Brandon Clark does not shoot the three or do, is not the threat shooting from distance that Taylor Jenkins prefers when it comes to players he's going to play for extended minutes. Kyle Anderson is a better shot from distance. And though his numbers with Jaron Jackson Jr. may not be as good as they are with Brandon Clark, you do have proof that Kyle Anderson can certainly be a valuable asset against the opponent's best players. That's why I've said all along, and many have said the same thing, the lineup of Jaw, Desmond Boehner, D'Anthony Melton, Dylan, Kyle, and Jaron are the lineup to go to in high leverage and closing situations because that is the lineup that gives the Grizzlies their best chance against the opposing lineup that's going to contain the opponent's best players. So that's why I feel if you want to explore a, a Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark duo for longer stretches of games over Steven Adams, I'm fully for that. But when the game matters the most, and if the Grizzlies' goal is to be competitive, though I think they're still balancing being competitive and development, at the end of the day, if your goal is to win games, and that's what this roster wants to do, Kyle Anderson is your best bet to put on the court with Jaron Jackson Jr. for the Grizzlies' front court to be a positive impact in high leverage and closing situations against the opposition's best players. And because of that, I want to expand the conversation even further. When you look at the Grizzlies' front court right now, of Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, and Kyle Anderson, four of those five players are on the Grizzlies next year for sure. Kyle Anderson is the only one that's not. And I understand that you may want to see the development of a Brandon Clark or an Xavier Tillman in expanded roles. And perhaps letting Kyle Anderson move along in the future to another team allows for you to do that. But I really do feel, obviously, the Grizzlies want to remain competitive as possible. And over the past year when they've been their most competitive, Kyle Anderson has played a big role in that. And so because of that, while I do understand that he is on an expiring contract, I personally feel that the way this season has played out, it makes sense to explore an extension even more so now with Kyle Anderson than it did in the past. Because what it simply comes down to is this, his play on the court matters. But to me, what matters even more is when you have a roster right now with the Grizzlies that contains a lot of uncertainty, probably more uncertainty than certainty now and into the future, I feel that the Grizzlies want to have as many sources of, of certain value that they can have beyond this year, and extending Kyle Anderson provides that to you in a multitude of ways. For one, when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr., you know he's going to be there in the most important moments of the game. That, that's why he's your second best talent. That's why you've extended him long term. But beyond that, 
You don't really trust Steven Adams right now because the results have not supported him. Brandon Clark, yes, he may have the potential to be a producer time, you know, at different times, but Taylor Jenkins doesn't seem to really prefer him for massive minutes because he doesn't hit a shot. Xavier Tillman right now is out of the rotation. Though you feel that he certainly lines up better with what Taylor Jenkins wants to do than Brandon Clark, he just doesn't have the high enough impact right now to play over others. So though those are the three other front court players besides Jaron Jackson Jr. that are that are you know here with the Grizzlies beyond this year. In my opinion, Kyle Anderson is clearly the second most trustworthy front court option that you have on this team right now. So say the Grizzlies extend him. That means now that you have your front court in place for next year, just like you do this year. And at some point, the Grizzlies are going to have to consolidate. This definitely is not the front court lineup that I feel is going to get the Grizzlies over the hump to be a contender. But extending Kyle Anderson, I think, is the best way or gives the Grizzlies the best chance to eventually find that. Because if you extend Kyle Anderson, you obviously now have another trustworthy front court option with Jaron Jackson Jr. moving forward. But that also means that, yes, you're eventually going to have to trade a Stephen Adams or a Brandon Clark or an Xavier Tillman if you keep Kyle in the fold beyond this year. However, just because you extend Kyle Anderson does not mean that guarantees he is going to be a significant part of the team when it is a contender towards the middle of this decade. I'm not saying that the Grizzlies should extend Kyle Anderson because I clearly feel he needs to be a starter when they're a contender. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that by extending Kyle Anderson, the Grizzlies are offering themselves the best chance to get to that starting lineup that really will be there for them to be a contender. And that's either through Kyle Anderson maybe being that if he continues to develop well, or it could be that you could use him as a trade asset. By extending Kyle Anderson, it's not you defining right now that Kyle Anderson is clearly going to be a contributing member to when the Grizzlies are a contender multiple years in the future. What it's doing is, is it's giving the Grizzlies the ability to have Kyle Anderson as a source of value to benefit their future beyond this year. Say he continues to play well, and he clearly is a player that the Grizzlies want to be on this roster going forward. Well, at that point, you've got him on a good contract. You've got him for multiple years for him to be a part of this roster. Now you can go use Adams, Tillman, or Clark. You can use one or two of those assets in a trade to go get yourself a clear upgrade on the wing. That's one way this could play out. Or if for some reason you extend Kyle Anderson and it doesn't make sense to really keep him in the fold, what you then could do is maybe a year or two from now, take a Kyle Anderson that's on a pretty valuable contract and use him as the money matching aspect of a deal that lands the Grizzlies a younger piece to Kyle Anderson that lines up more with John Jaron's true contention window, but you also are using Kyle Anderson not only as a money-matching piece, but Kyle Anderson would still be young enough to be attractive to a more immediate contender. Kyle Anderson, extend, Kyle Anderson under an extension going forward, in my opinion, is a much more valuable money-matching piece to a deal, a much more attractive money-matching piece to a deal than a Stephen Adams would be. Now, I made a point here to where the big reason why I'm saying the Grizzlies should look into extending Kyle Anderson is because if they do, it gives them an asset. It gives them another value source that they can use in multiple ways to make sure that they have the best chance of being a sustainable winner and eventual contender moving forward, whether it be Kyle's play 
contributing for years to come for the Grizzlies or him potentially being used in a trade. But the other side of this is certainly the doubts of can Kyle Anderson sustain what would make him valuable? His three-point shot falling in his defense. Last year, his the, the jump that he made with his three-point shot made him a tremendously valuable player. This year, the shots are get fall, again falling, but the form is certainly not pretty. I think Chris Harrington on, on the latest uh, a Daily Memphian pod and others have, have, have you know pointed out, it seems as if Kyle Anderson's shoulder may be hurting him again, like it was before his shot started really falling last year. And if that's the case, that's not a good development. So there may be questions about whether or not Kyle Anderson's shot could sustain. His defense this year has not been on the level that it has been in previous years. I do think that Dylan being back helps that out. So I will certainly admit that a big driving force of whether or not you extend Kyle Anderson pertains to how much faith you have in his three-point shot falling and his defense. I personally think those things will remain at a high enough level for him to be a value over the next few years at least. And his three-point shot falling is also doing it in a way that really plays into what Taylor Jenkins wants to do, utilizing Kyle at the four in the corner as a catch-and-shoot option to counter what defenses are throwing at Jaw and the rest of the offense to where you can send out a simple pass. And the results so far this year have been phenomenal as Kyle being a, a big contributing factor to the Grizzlies shooting the three. Well, so yes, it's not a crippling decision, in my opinion, of whether you extend Kyle or you, you don't. It's not going to be something that plays just a huge overall impact on the Grizzlies' future. But I think for a front office that has shown an absolute um, preference in getting as much value in the assets that it has over the past few years, I think Kyle Anderson truly is an asset that they will want to retain because of the value he could provide in multiple ways beyond this year. If that's because you feel he can sustain his success as a shooter and a defender, you're you're basically keeping a very good player to continue to contribute to the Grizzlies roster going forward. And even if he's not in the long-term plans, he can be used as a, as a trade asset to go get a player that would then be in the long-term plans. That's the benefit of extending. But for right now, if the three choices that you have when it comes to Kyle Anderson are either trading him at the trade deadline as a rental and getting whatever assets you can then, or, and you basically would be getting pennies on his on, on the dollar for his value. Number two is just letting him walk in free agency and having the, um, the uh, cap flexibility moving forward. Or it's extending him. I think the Grizzlies look to extending. I think that that makes the most sense. I think that in terms of the roster construction and asset management, that is the best way. It provides the best chances for the Grizzlies to take a significant asset in Kyle Anderson and get the most of him, use him in the way to get the most of him moving forward to use him as a way to either through his play with the Grizzlies or through as a trade asset, use him as a way to make sure they're using all the assets that they can to get future value to support John and Jaron. That's the reason why I would extend him. Whether they do or not, it'll, you know, it'll certainly be a storyline to follow, but I do think there are many more reasons right now than not to extend him than not. But of course, the big thing for the Grizzlies is, is that while we could talk about extensions all day, this Grizzlies team first wants to get on the right track when it comes to their play on the court, and they've got a tough way to do that tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers. However, some developments on the Clippers roster when it comes to injuries could improve the Grizzlies' chances more than most may think. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I do want to say that tomorrow on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, we will obviously recap 
the Grizzlies game against the Los Angeles Clippers. And we will also look forward to the Grizzlies weekend play as well. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. But I also want to remind you, while Locked on Grizzlies is your first listen of the day, check out the Locked on NBA Fantasy podcast as well with host Joss Lloyd, the number one source of fantasy content when it comes to the in, in the world. Locked on Fantasy, or fantasy Basketball is a growing Source of fun for a sports fan. There's no better place to get your information than locked on fantasy basketball. So the Grizzlies will take on the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. And the same team that the Grizzlies took on back in Los Angeles in the second game of the season for both teams, this team, with it, when it comes to the Clippers, it's not the same team that it was then in multiple ways. Number one, the Clippers started off slowly to start the season, but they really have picked up steam and now are both arguably a top 10 defense and top 10 offense. And the specialty for them is shooting and defending the three. But of course, when it comes to the Clippers, it all begins with Paul George, who is playing at near career best levels right now. A clear MVP candidate so far this season, even with Kawhi Leonard being out. Paul George is once again reminding folks of why he is clearly one of the best talents of this generation. But as well as Paul George is playing, the one thing that certainly has been less than ideal for the Clippers coming into this game is the fact that they are going to be without several players in tonight's game against Memphis. And some of those players are certainly significant. Nicholas Batum, Keon Johnson, Kawhi Leonard obviously has been out all season, but Nick, Nicholas Batum, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, Jason Preston, and Justice Winslow. All of those players are either out or questionable for tonight's game against the Grizzlies. And Serge Ibaka also could be out as well. Now, obviously you've got different levels of contributors, but if Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, Batum, and Ibaka are out tonight, that certainly limits the depth of the Clippers in their game tonight against the Grizzlies. But that doesn't mean that the Grizzlies are just absolutely going to have the overwhelming odds to win this game. Because, of course, the Clippers still have Paul George. But the thing that concerns me a bit more is stepping up in the place that it, stepping up in the place of those players who may miss are the fact that you could see the Clippers rely more on the three to support Paul George more than they usually do. Right now, the Clippers are seventh in the NBA when it comes to three-pointers made, eighth in three-point attempts per game, and ninth in three-point percentage. But the big thing that stands out to me is that the main sources of shooting those three, though Nicholas Batum and Marcus Morris will not be available, you do have Luke Kennard who could step up, and if Terrence Mann's available as well, if Luke Kennard steps up, you pair him with Reggie Jackson, who is shooting over... Uh, nine threes per game, though he's only making around 33% of them. If you pair Luke Kennard with Reggie Jackson to support Paul George, plus you have Terrence Mann, if he's playing, or Batum, or, or another one of those players, if Mann and Batum are playing, you've got them in the corner. You've got a very, very good three-point attack supporting Paul George in this game. And of course, as we know it, where the Grizzlies have struggled is both shooting and defending the three. So you're going to be playing a very disciplined, very good Clippers team tonight that's got one of the best players in the league playing at a career-best level right now, or near a career-best level, in Paul George. When the Grizzlies beat the Clippers back on this, back in the second game of the season, the way that they were able to do it was by stopping the Clippers' ability to hit threes late, 
letting Paul George just take over the game for them, but not letting anybody else step up. The reason why the Grizzlies won the game, they had the players step up to support Jaw and kept other players from stepping up to support George for the Clippers. That's going to have to be the key tonight. If Dylan Brooks being back, which also plays a big part in this game, he wasn't there the last time the Grizzlies played the Clippers. If Dylan Brooks can in any way, shape, or form make life difficult for Paul George tonight, that certainly plays into the Grizzlies' favor. But if Paul George is having one of his normal games, a big key for the Grizzlies is simply this. They cannot let the combination of Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard, and if Terrence Mann and others are there as well, they cannot let the combination of a Luke Jack, of a Luke Kennard and a Reggie Jackson or even an Eric Bledsoe or somebody like that, they cannot let multiple players outside of Paul George have good shooting nights. If the Grizzlies allow for especially Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard to find their strokes from three early, it's going to be hard for this Grizzlies team to win this game because now not only are they going to have to shoot the three better, but they're also going to have to make sure that they do an even better job of stopping Paul George if the Clippers' threes are falling. So that's simply what it comes down to for this Grizzlies team. Finding offensive balance early, obviously, is the key. Getting off to a good start like they did against Houston and building off of that, that's going to be a key. So a good start offensive balance-wise is huge. But to me, the storyline of this game is if you cannot, if you're, if you're just going to let Paul George be his normal self. And Dylan should be at least a, a good effort to somewhat contain Paul George. But if Paul George is going to get to get his, make sure nobody else on the Clippers gets theirs to an extent that goes above and beyond what they normally do. If the Grizzlies can make sure that no combination of Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe and so on, if multiple players out of that group, if the Grizzlies can make sure that multiple players of that group are not getting hot from three to support Paul George, I fully have confidence in the Grizzlies being able to win this game. But also, it's going to be a contrast from what we've seen recently, but hopefully the last two days have led to Taylor Jenkins and his staff making needed adjustments to where the Grizzlies can do exactly that. So yes, obviously the key to, the, to any Clippers game this year is doing what you can do to stop Paul George. But if you can't do that, most teams have not been able to, make sure no other Clipper really steps up to have a great game. It's been a pleasure talking with you on today's Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Make sure you check out the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. Make sure you also check out the Locked on Grizzlies YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button below. We'll be back with you tomorrow discussing the, the Clippers games with the Grizzlies and looking at the Grizzlies weekend activity as well. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Have a great day.